Hello, and welcome to the Untitled Gen X podcast, a podcast dedicated to the pop culture that raised us. I'm Lori, a writer and pop culture lover who's feeling all the things as I announce the end of season three of the Untitled Gen X podcast. Uh, Okay, I know, but like, wait a minute. Season one was 28 episodes. Season two was 20. Why is season three only 15 episodes? Well, it's because of the surgeries. All the surgeries. Oh, you guys, like so many Gen Xers in the sandwich generation, parents are requiring a little extra care. Our kids require care. And sometimes that means that the podcast has to take a back seat, at least for a little time. Now, it's really hard for me to admit that because. I'm the kind of person who's like, if I just work harder and I, and I do more and I sleep less, like I could fit it all in and, and I probably can, but there's a big old cost to that. And, um, it's just not really sustainable. And the thing that I never, ever want to do is get burned out on this podcast because it has given me so much joy. Season three has been amazing and I want it to continue to be amazing in the future. And if I start cranking out crummy episodes, well, that's just on me. So I have to be real about what's going on in my life. And the fact is, is parents on both sides for me, like, Oh, hey, child of divorce. Parents on both sides are having major surgeries in May and June. And then late June, my son is set to have surgery. Uh, He's getting his tonsils and adenoids removed. And, you know, I've been through that surgery before with my older son and it's outpatient and everything, but like the, the parental surgeries are big deals. And I need to just be there for my family and it's all pre-op appointments and aftercare and transportation and all of these things to consider. And I know that you guys understand that and you don't really want to hear about that on a pop culture podcast, but it is my real life and I have to deal with it. There's just nothing else to say, but I am going to say, if you guys are the praying kind, or you like to send out good juju, good vibes. I will take them all, send uh, wine, chocolate, all of the above, uh, memes, whatever you got, send them my way. I so appreciate it. And I appreciate your understanding and having to wrap up this epic season early. And I don't want to toot my own horn, but I think this season was really fantastic. I was so excited about the guests that I had, and I felt like each episode was so different than the last. And hopefully you found that as enjoyable as I did. I never get bored with this podcast. You know, the pop culture that we cover, it's so varied and interesting. So there's that to keep the creative juices flowing and keep me like excited about things. But then each guest brings such a different flavor and vibe that it's just so brand new to me every week. And so I hope it feels that way for you guys too, but I'm looking ahead as to what I'm going to do over the summer. And the goal is to create more amazing episodes. And I've got a few concerts coming up that I'm super excited about because I haven't been to a concert since pre COVID. And I was a serious concert goer. I was going to shows as often as I possibly could afford And yeah, I haven't been to a live show in so long. And like, 
I'm recording this in mid-May. I know you'll hear it at the beginning of June, but like I have the mixtape tour coming up with um, New Kids on the Block with Rick Astley and Salt and Peppa and in Vogue. I'm really excited about that. I'm headed to Vegas with my husband for a quick overnighter to see Sting. Does it get better than that? I don't think that it does. And I know I've got to cover the police or Sting or New Kids or all of the above here in a future season because I love all of it. In the fall, I'm going to see Pet Shop Boys in New Order. And I'm going to see Elton John on his farewell tour for the second time. I saw him at his farewell tour in January 2019, you guys. And here we are. <laughs> like all these years later, I'm going to see him again on the same tour. And I'm not even upset about it. So lots of good stuff. I'm going to continue on with the podcast. So don't worry about that. But before we get this season three reflections wrap party started, I want to send a very special thank you shout out to my biggest Patreon supporter, Anthony. You know, I'm talking about you, Anthony, you are a true legend and your generous support of the podcast makes it possible for me to create freely and just do my thing. And I am so, so very grateful to you. Thank you so much for your generous support. And listeners, if you're interested in joining the Patreon for exclusive content focused right now, at least on Iconic TV, check out patreon.com forward slash the Untitled Gen X podcast, where there's, I don't know, like maybe seven episodes up right now. So far, we've covered uh, Sex in the City, Different Strokes, Family Ties, Felicity, My So-Called Life, Dawson's Freaking Creek, and Punky Brewster. With more to come every single month, a new episode. So come on over, support the pod. You can get yourself an Untitled Gen X sticker to put on your car or your laptop or your hydro. Or you know what? Don't. And that's fine too. And I just love you and thank you all for your support on the main feed. It just means so, so much. So, you know, these episodes, this is an aside where I I'm alone. I'm talking into the mic and I'm thinking, like, God, you're talking fast, like your heart's beating. You're it's like you're hopped up on some caffeine or something. I'm not. I'm not. I had a very ordinary day. I went to Walmart and Target and the grocery store on a hunt for infant formula for my neighbor's preemie. Oh my God. Any of you with babies or grandbabies who are having trouble finding infant formula, my heart breaks for you because I have been on a quest for like the last four days and I have been able to secure one can. So that was totally an aside. Why am I talking about all the dark stuff on a celebration reflections episode? You're like, I'm here for pop culture. You're not covering pop culture. You're just talking about your own damn podcast. And I am literally here talking about my own damn podcast. So if that doesn't appeal to you. That's cool. I think there's something like over 60 episodes out there for you guys to go back and listen to. If you don't want to hear me talk about <laughs> the season, so it's all good. Okay, before we really get into the meat of things, though, I feel like I need to say a proper thank you to all the amazing guests that joined me this season. We talked about some really great pop culture that I'm very proud of. My guests were so candid and generous with their stories. It means a lot to take a bunch of time out of your day and, and deal with my constant barrage of emails and preparation for each episode. So I'd like to start with Kate. 
my season one co-host, childhood bestie. She joined me on the first episode of season three to cover beaches. Kate, you are truly the wind beneath my wings. I know you know that. I love you. Thank you. You're always such a joy to have on the pod. She joined me on Patreon. If you can't get enough Kate, you can check her out there. I'd like to thank author and podcast host of Baron, David Vienna, for helping me to cover Nirvana's Nevermind. This was an episode I was really nervous to cover because it's just so iconic and Gen X important. And even though Nirvana is not like my favorite alternative band ever, I understood the weight and the respect that this album deserved. Its place in Gen X culture is so vital. And David was the perfect guest to help me cover it. This truly remains one of my very favorite episodes of season three. And that was something I just didn't see coming. David taught me so much about the culture of alternative music and its importance in giving our generation a voice in a time where we were largely ignored. And so David, thank you. I want to give a big old thank you to author and podcast host of She's Got Issues. Yes, I'm talking about former scary mommy, Jill Smokler, Jill mother effing Smokler. She joined me in stepping out of the corner. We covered Dirty Dancing. Jill is phenomenal. I know a lot of you already know that, but her ability to create community in literally every professional endeavor she's tackled has been truly inspiring. Big thanks, as always, to friend of the pod and our resident cool guy here at the Untitled Gen X podcast. I'm talking about Kenny Stack. Kenny Stack stayed gold with the outsiders. I love Kenny for a multitude of reasons, but he regularly reminds me of how even the smallest gestures and vocal choices of an actor, how much life that brings to a character, and his attention to artist detail is so incredible to me. I always learned so much from Kenny. This is a film that meant a lot to him growing up and it holds a really special place in his heart. And that really, really came through on the episode. So thank you, Kenny. Anne Imig, the brilliant author, storyteller, and positive psychology coach joined me to tackle 1982's musical masterpiece and real highlight of my childhood. Yeah, you guys, I'm talking about Annie. Anne taught us all about the powerful tools that are available to us through positive psychology. I didn't know any of this. And she continues to remind us that our personal gifts can help lead the way to true fulfillment in our lives. It's not about working harder. It's about leaning into the gifts that you've been given, God-given gifts and talents. Anne is just so brilliant. I want you to check her out. Thank you, Anne, for everything. Okay, you guys know this person. I have to give so many thanks in my life, just in my personal life beyond the pod, to Pat. You guys might remember Pat is Kate's older brother. He is an English teacher. He is a college professor. He has a PhD. He joined me in carpeing this DM with Dead Poet Society, which is one of his favorite films in the whole wide world. Pat's passion for teaching and literature and all things Robin Williams really lent so much heart and depth to that episode. So I just want to thank Pat as always 
for sharing his wisdom and very generous spirit. And Pat joined me on the Patreon. So if you love Pat, you can get more of him over there. So check it out. Of course, I owe a giant debt of gratitude to my mentor, divorce coach Jessica Ashley, for getting into some double trouble with me on the parent trap. Not only did we uncover some major, (laughs) major ethical questions and plot holes in this film, we talked all about Lohan and the importance of self-care and quality coaching through divorce, which is a huge life shift. And Jessica had so many insightful things to share. So I hope you'll check that out because it was a really fun and funny episode. I want to thank the woman that I broke the rules for, my own personal rules. I want to thank Jess Sanfilippo. She is the millennial with a Gen X soul, a true music lover. She is the founder of Roadie Social, and she joined me to sing the praises of George Michael's faith. And Jess reminded even the most cynical Gen Xers among us that, yes, millennials are more than all right, you guys. They're downright awesome. So I know we like to play favorites here and be like, oh, boomers, oh, millennials. No, I think we're wrong here. I don't know. I know a lot of really amazing millennials and Jess is one of them. And Jess knows so much about the music industry and artist relations and what it really means to evolve as an artist. So if you love you some George Michael and really who doesn't, you might want to check out that episode. Of course, radio veteran Buzz Bishop deserves a lot of thanks for talking hard and super openly about the duality of like radio personalities. We got together to cover Pump Up the Volume. I learned a lot from him. I found his experience as an introvert who's been somehow able to kill the radio game for like over 30 years, absolutely fascinating. You know, he's an introvert and then he has this giant media persona where he's the guy on your morning drive. So just to hear his incredible stories of all the artists that he's had the pleasure of meeting and knowing and introducing on stage and even partying with was super fun. So thank you, Buzz. I want to send Agent 300, my dear friend, creative artist, Rowan Harrison, a giant bouquet of thank yous. He joined me to dance the blues with David Bowie's iconic album, Let's Dance. And Rowan is an incredible artist. You guys went nuts for his pottery and hand-drawn illustrations. But in that episode, we talked a lot about the value of patience as an artist. So we talked about how important it is for us as fans to allow our artists to evolve Because their messaging to us changes over time as they change and grow. And it's really a beautiful process that takes time to unfold. And and Rowan, in his incredible art, I mean, these are pieces he spends painstaking hours creating. And so while his medium is pottery and painting and illustration and drawing, An artist's creation through music or film, they're really not so different. The process is actually very, very similar. So it was a fascinating conversation. So thank you, Rowan, for that. This next guest, oh my God, I I might owe her the biggest apology of all and the biggest thank you of all. 
No, I owe Rowan a really big apology too. I will get into that a little bit later, but um, you guys will really enjoy that story. Um, I'm really indebted to writer and podcast co-host of Pop Culture Preservation Society. I'm talking about Michelle Newman. Michelle joined me to share her wisdom and amazing personal anecdotes and (laughs) deep, deep fandom with Duran Duran's Rio. Michelle, I obviously could not (laughs) and would not have done this episode without you. Everybody loved you. Uh, I got a lot of response about people feeling really sorry that you had to cover Duran Duran with me of all people and that I should really be ashamed of myself, which I really am. Um, But Michelle, thank you because it was a really fun episode in no part. Thanks to me. It was all you, baby. So thank you. Many, many thanks go to filmmaker and performer Tugane Davis. Wow. Her incredible insights on HBCUs. There was so much I didn't know. I want to thank her for the education and introducing me to Spike Lee's school days. I thought this film was incredible. I'm not a stranger to Spike Lee's films. I've actually seen quite a few of them, but this one, I never had the opportunity I had to seek this one out and I'm really glad that I did. And the music and the messaging of this film were absolutely incredible. And I also want to thank her for the incredible work that she's doing to shine a very, very bold and bright blinding light on the black maternal mortality rate. She's doing this with her documentary film called Mia Nita. Tugane, I mean, you have always always been a star and you continue to be. And so thank you for everything that you do and continue to give to all of us. This brings me to my new best friend, whether or not she knows she's my new best friend is a whole different story, but I'm talking about Nina Badson. She's a friendship expert. She's a writer. She's a podcast host of Dear Nina Conversations About Friendship. And she deserves all the thanks for laughing and crying with me over Steel Magnolias. Oh, this film. Nina taught us that in friendship, it's not always personal, right? And so often friendship resides in the gray. And I just encourage us all to maybe like set ourselves free a little bit of the black and white in friendship. And you guys can learn more about that in the Steel Magnolias episode, but that was a real aha moment for me. So I really, really want to thank Nina for that. And last but not least, I want to thank college professor, PhD in organizational leadership, one of my personal besties, Dr. Jeanette Gennard, for joining me in covering Working Girl. Beyond the support she has provided me throughout the years, <laughs> all during my corporate my corporate experience, which we talked in great detail about, Jeanette taught us all about the value of great leadership and mentorship and how above all mindfulness is really where it's at. So if you work in a corporate environment, if you are a leader in any capacity, whether it be in a big fancy corporate job in your church through your PTA, it doesn't matter. She had so many valuable tips and tricks. So I really encourage you to check out that episode on working girl. It's been a great season filled with creative conversations deep thoughts, hilarious stories, inspirational moments. And I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did, because in these reflection episodes, I like to look back and give you guys a little sneak peek behind the curtain about like how this all really went down. 
And so if we're going to talk about most popular episodes, I want to do that in terms of first week downloads. So the most popular episode in terms of first week downloads goes to Dirty Dancing. And obviously, I mean, it's a beloved iconic film. Yes, we all love Baby and Johnny. Yes. But I know you guys really love Jill too. And Jill Smokler getting candid about the great lengths she went to to view Dirty Dancing against her mother's wishes. (laughs) Oh my gosh. It was so fun. It was a joyride of an episode. So yeah, most popular Dirty Dancing. And in a very, very, very close second place. We have Duran Duran's Rio with Michelle Newman, of course, from Pop Culture Preservation Society. Michelle was the ultimate Duran Duran fangirl back in the day. She even spent several precious months, maybe years in her youth as Mrs. Simon LeBon. And so you guys can get to hear that story. And the fact that she was able to make a fan out of me who just had such a ginormous and embarrassing Duran Duran blind spot says a lot. If you guys listen to that episode, you know, I kind of thought Duran Duran consisted of two guys, Duran Duran. I mean, I knew their names weren't Duran. I didn't like think that was her last name, but like, I don't know what Duran means. And so I was just sort of like, yeah, it's two guys. I I don't know. And I got a lot. and, And by a lot, I mean a lot of feedback from you guys in regard to that episode about my own stupidity. Um, And I I guess I should just address it. I mean, I kind of addressed it on that episode, but I would love to sit here and make excuses (laughs) and defend myself by saying like, look, you guys, we all have our pop culture blind spots. We didn't, we weren't all knee deep in all the things all the time. And, And yeah, I was a little bit young for the Duran Duran hysteria, but I realized that doesn't matter to Duran Duran fans, that doesn't matter at all. So all I can say is I'm sorry because you guys are really loyal. And um, I know that Simon and Nick and all the many tailors and all the members that came after, they're super lucky to have you guys as fans. That's all I can say because you guys care a lot. And Michelle taught me a lot about Duran Duran. I'm thankful to her for her patience and guidance and tremendous grace that she gave me. So I now see the error of my troubled ways. You guys, I'm a fan now. Breathe easy. Be cool. It's all fine. We got there. It took, you know, a hundred years later, but I finally got there. And that's, that's really all that matters. So fan favorite episodes, this is simply measured on DMs and feedback. I have to say Nirvana's Nevermind with David Vienna got a lot of attention and the whole Kurt or Kanye game we played <laughs> earned some really rave reviews. I was a little bit afraid of that. I was, I was afraid I might offend some like hardcore Nirvana fans, but you guys were into it and it was fun. It was a real like LOL episode. So plus, I mean, David Vienna, his experience as a musician in the nineties, who honestly believed in his heart of hearts that he was the next Kurt Cobain made for really incredible stories. Plus He tells a story about how he met the artistic director whose idea it was to put the damn dollar bill on the hook on the Nevermind cover. Like he met that guy. He went to his house. David has stories. Check out the episodes. And of course, you guys all really, really loved Beaches with Kate. What kind of episode would that be without two lifelong friends covering it? So thank you. And Buzz Bishop, again, 
Buzz's stories of hanging out with in excess and having Michael Buble as his personal wingman for a period of time was super fun for our listeners. And I received more than a few questions about Michael Hutchins's Austin Powers party. Um, people have questions. <laughs> I have questions. It was a great conversation. If I'm looking at stats, it's always really painful for me to see like that one episode that's just really, really great that people haven't heard yet. And that's kind of the beauty of taking a break from releasing an episode every week too. Like it gives listeners or people who are new to the pod or people who just type in like some pop culture reference time to go listen to episodes about that thing. Like I have to say that the best episode you guys haven't heard yet belongs to David Bowie's Let's Dance with Rowan Harrison. Because Rowan is a true Bowie fan, I feel like Bowie fans or anyone who really loved that album will really appreciate Rowan's genuine love and appreciation for David Bowie's artistry. It really shows through in that episode. (laughs) Okay, so speaking of Bowie, I I said I owed Rowan an apology. This is why. If I was going to pick like a most surprising or ridiculous episode, it would belong to David Bowie's Let's Dance. And I, I have to tell you guys this story. This is a ginormous sort of detour, but it's the most ridiculous bullshit thing that has ever happened to me while podcasting. And I've had some dumb shit happen while I was in the middle of recording an episode. But in a true tale of working from home with children, there I was, right? I'm, I'm talking to Rowan. We're talking about the thin white Duke. It's getting all like meaty and serious. And I have so much respect for David Bowie. And I really wanted to get that episode right. So I'm up in my bedroom recording. I record in a corner of my bedroom because it's carpeted up here. My bed's here. There's a lot of like soft material in this room that makes the sound the very best. And my son was home from school that day. I don't know. Schools are closed for all sorts of stupid bullshit reasons. And, um, whatever. He was under very strict orders to not flush toilets. Don't take a shower. Don't do anything loud and noisy. Be very quiet. So I'm recording with Rowan and all of a sudden I start to smell smoke. And I'm like, huh? Now I live in Southern California. We have brush fires more often than we should. So I have that moment, sort of like I have when an earthquake begins, right? You start to feel a little earthquake and, you know, SoCal natives like me know you, you sit there for a beat and you're like, is it getting stronger? Do I really need to get up? Do I need to take shelter? Should I be scared? Like all these questions are running through your mind, right? Before you finally decide like, yeah, this thing isn't stopping. I better go stand in a door frame. Okay. So I'm sitting here recording and I smell smoke and I'm like, mm, that's odd. So I keep talking, right? It's Bowie, Bowie, blah, blah, blah. And the smell is getting stronger. As Rowan's talking, I'm trying not to be rude, but I text my 14-year-old son, why do I smell smoke? And um, because Rowan's brilliant, I didn't want to interrupt his train of thought. And damn it, I'm a professional. So he replies two words, I'm sorry. (laughs) I text him, sorry for what? What did you burn? And then, of course, he doesn't reply to me because he's a teenager. So... I thought it's probably under control. Like, okay, he burned some toast or something. So we're talking Bowie and the smoke smell is getting stronger and stronger. And I'm like, this cannot be right. So I interrupt poor Rowan. And of course I'm still recording because if I end the Zoom, if I pick it back up, the tracks will be messed up. I didn't want to send a new Zoom invite. 
whatever. Rowan, hold on. Let me go investigate. So I open my bedroom door and I just see sm- uh, like it wasn't like thick, dark smoke, but like it was hazy, right? You know how it gets when it's smoky. It was hazy, horrible smell. I'm running downstairs and keep in mind at no point did my smoke detector go off, which was super troubling, but I'll get to that in a minute. So I'm yelling, what's on fire? What's going on? Why is it? Ah!" And I learned that my brilliant teenage son, God bless, who has made no fewer than like 10,000 bowls of ramen in his lifetime because he's a teenager and he exists on dehydrated ramen noodles. He put the dry noodles in a bowl. He put the bowl on the stove burner. (sighs) Oh, oh, oh. And he did not add water. So it's dehydrated noodles, powder MSG, that'll give you a migraine, on a stove burner cranked up to high. (laughs) Normally, the way he makes it is we have a tea kettle. He puts water in the tea kettle. He puts the tea kettle on the stove burner, waits for it to boil. You know, he puts his little noodles in the bowl and pours the boiling water over his noodles. That's normally how that goes. I don't know what he was doing. I don't know if he was busy watching YouTube while he was trying to make this and it wasn't all there. I don't know if he was still half asleep. I don't know if this was frontal lobe development stuff. I don't know what this was. It was the dumbest thing. So it burned because of course it did. It also burned the bowl. So the kitchen is just like filled with smoke, no smoke detector going off. I have a ceiling fan in the kitchen. He didn't turn that on because why would he? He didn't open a sliding glass door for airflow. He didn't turn on any ceiling fans. We have a hundred of them in the house. Didn't do any of the normal things that you would do to air out a smoky environment. So here I am still on Zoom with Rowan and he can hear me shouting at my son open the windows, open the doors, turn on the fans. Oh my God. And how did you do that? And are you awake? And why didn't you smell it? And how does this happen? And why are teenagers such teenagers? And and what is wrong with our smoke detector? He can hear all of this, right? Of course, this is all recorded. I have it in the raw files of this episode. And I made my way back upstairs to choke through the rest of the episode. I'm not even kidding. Choke through because it was still smoky as hell in this house. And um, I should probably like pull that audio and put it in this episode. But anyway, that was the big drums behind the scene of the David Bowie episode. And I'm really proud of that episode and about that smoke detector, since I've already spent 30 minutes talking about this whole stupid situation. I have no idea why it didn't sound. It's wired. It had working batteries and it's also a carbon monoxide detector. So we got rid of that piece of shit real quick and got a new one. And we tested all the time because that's really important. So If you've learned nothing from this episode, other than the fact that (laughs) Duran Duran has more than two members, um, check your smoke alarms, safety first. Had that not happened, we wouldn't have known because we were not great about testing our smoke detectors. Now we are. So I just encourage you to do that. So I'm just, I'm just being your mom right now. It's okay. Because I love you all. And I want you all to be safe and healthy. Okay. I threw out some questions on social media because I wanted to hear from you guys. So let's get down to it. Um, I did an AMA thing. I said, ask me anything, you guys. I will answer them all. And someone asked, if you could time travel to alter a single moment in your history, what would it be? 
I thought about this one for a long time. And I think the answer comes down to like, we're talking about a single moment. I would have quit my corporate job after the first week. I held a corporate job for nearly 14 years and it was some of the darkest times of my life. I talked about this in last week's working girl episode. I worked in a major corporation in a male dominated industry. And I knew, I actually remember my first day of work. I knew on that first day that this wasn't a good fit for me. And I know why I took that job in the first place. I know why I kept that job for as long as I did. But I also know that every single day I stayed, despite the very hard and yes, very, very valuable lessons it taught me, despite some really beautiful friendships it gave me, despite the health insurance and the 401k and the pension and the salary it afforded me, I lost giant bits of my soul every year that I stayed. And it's really interesting because I was afraid of a lot of things when I was young, but I also surprised myself and did a few very, very, very brave things, like uncharacteristically brave for the kind of person that I was. But I did not have the courage to make a brave choice and leave that job for a lot, for, for nearly 14 years. And the gift of wisdom and experience, I guess, is really that I know now that intuition and that feeling I had on that first day, I don't think I would ignore that now. I think I'm smarter for it. Sometimes just certain environments, despite how amazing they may look or seem on the outside, they're just, for whatever reason, they're just not the right environment for you. And I'm all for sticking things out and trying to make them work. But like these days, I'm way more about cutting my losses and trusting my instincts. Okay. Do you miss old Saturday morning cartoons from the very beginning of the 1980s? I mean, if we want to think about like the Flintstones and and Richie Rich and Scooby-Doo and He-Man and She-Ra and Shirt Tails and Care Bears and Popeye and Alvin and all of those things we used to watch, I don't know that I miss the shows as much as I probably miss the innocence of that time, if that makes sense. Like there was just something really fantastic about waking up early before your parents and and getting my own breakfast and gluing my butt to the TV and just feeling like, like I didn't have any worries. You know, it was just like a really nice way to begin the weekend. And it's way nicer than waking up at the crack of dawn for youth sports. Like I do now, like I haven't slept in since I can remember and And then we're waking up now so early and something always hurts and desperately need coffee. And at that age, like none of that was true. You woke up feeling great in your body and you looked forward to cartoons and sugared cereal and it was amazing. And so, yes, I miss that time. How about you guys? Do you miss it? Uh, Let's see here. Would you ever have an ex-boyfriend as a guest on your podcast? Lulz. So the truth is I never really had a serious boyfriend before my husband. And I know that's maybe kind of unusual. I did loosely date someone very briefly. I've talked about this in past episodes a little bit about how maybe I wasn't treated all that well. I go into a little more depth and frustration in the Patreon episode for Dawson's Creek, where we talk about the prom because he dumped me right before prom. So I had some like 
maybe not so nice things to say. I mean, it was all true. It was true. Would I have them on the pod? Sure. Before we ever finger quote dated, we were friends. And back then, at least, like he was hilarious and charming. And so I have to assume he's still all of those things today. He'd probably make a really amazing guest, in fact. And um, I'm sure that he's lovely and happy in life now. And God bless. And I'm not angry about it. I mean, my mom still might be a little bit mad about that prom thing. I mean, that velvet teal dress from Windsor did cost 80 or $85. She, my mom had a lot of feelings about him. You know, that's the thing. Moms never forget. Yes, I would. I would absolutely have him on the pod if you wanted to. So um, someone asked, will your husband ever guess on the pod? And I feel like maybe I answered this last season. I can't remember. The answer is probably not. He's super private and not much not all about the talking, honestly. Um, I think I might talk enough for both of us. So I keep trying though. So stay tuned. Maybe, I don't know. I did ask you guys what you wanted for next season. And I got a lot of really great ideas, including Flash Gordon, Back to the Future, Motley Crue, Prince, The Goonies, Stand By Me, Dream a Little Dream, Singles, Guns and Roses, Appetite, uh, Brian Setzer Orchestra, which would be really fun. I have a lot to say about that. Pretty Woman, and so many more. So the list of possible topics is endless. And that's what I love so much about pop culture. <laughs> Speaking of which, I asked via poll, what should we cover in season four? Like, do you guys want movies, music, TV, or cultural phenomena? I just, I want to try to do like a good mix of what you guys want. And <laughs> the poll literally ended, that was four choices, with 25% for each. Like it was so evenly split. So, okay. I will keep that in mind, literal four-way tie. So this brings me to the lightning round portion of the podcast. And as you all know, I asked this season's guests specific lightning round questions, the same round, but now it is your turn and it's my turn to answer them. I threw these out on social media. I'm going to share what you guys answered, and then I'm going to give my own answer for each one of these. And if I contradict something I said, in a previous episode, well, I contain multitudes. I'm an evolution, so don't be surprised. Okay. Pearl Jam or Nirvana? 62% of you said Pearl Jam. Well, 38% of you answered Nirvana. And as much as I loved my Nirvana episode with David Vienna, my answer is still and forever probably will be Pearl Jam because I still play Pearl Jam 10 on the reg. Pearl Jam for me, guys. Best fast food fries. Okay, McDonald's was the most popular choice by a landslide, but we also got votes for Wendy's, Del Taco, which I believe might be a crinkle fry. It used to be, at least back in high school when I ate a lot of Del Taco, and they were really good. I got a couple of Burger Kings. I got a Whataburger. But I choose McDonald's all day, every day. And also, I just really love McDonald's. I think their food is delicious. And this is in no way sponsored. I love McDonald's. I'm not sorry. Favorite 90s fragrance. We got a lot of CK1. I was expecting that. It's a good answer. It's a solid answer. Uh, We also got Trezor. I'm sure I'm pronouncing that wrong. Dracar, Sunflowers, of course, Sunflowers, Liz Claiborne, Exclamation, uh, Debbie Gibson's Electric Youth. Do you guys remember that bottle? It had that like 
hot pink spiral down the perfume tube. My favorite, I have to say it was probably sunflowers. I wore a lot of sunflowers, but in the later nineties, I really loved Clinique Happy. It's a great smell, a hint of citrus. I really love that scent. These days, I probably mostly just smell like Lysol wipes. Um, Did you ever own a bucket hat? 57% of you rocked a bucket hat, while 43% of you live without regret. I am a hat wearer. I wear hats nearly every day, and I have for many, many years. And in spite of that, I have never owned a bucket hat, and I actually feel a little bit smug about it. 90210 reference here, Kelly or Brenda. Okay, 88% of you chose Kelly, while Brenda only secured 12% of your love. I went back and forth with these gals. In the end, I think I side with Kelly more. I mean, I think Kelly's my pick, but she and Dylan really did Brenda so dirty that summer that Brenda went off to Paris. What a bitch, Kelly. I feel like in later episodes, Kelly redeemed herself through the Coke addiction, through the fire. I, I feel like she went on to, to learn some really hard and valuable lessons. And of course, Brenda left the series. But yeah, I mean, I, I really felt bad for Brenda in that moment. But I still choose Kelly. I still choose Kelly. I'm sorry. Keeping with the 90210 theme, Brandon or Dylan? So Dylan won your dangerous hearts with 72% of the vote, while good guy Brandon only made 28% of you guys swoon. I guess the good guy does finish last. I think I would have chosen either. If either one of those guys paid me a lick of attention, I probably would would have been all about them. They both appealed to me in their own way. So uh, what was your first car? Okay. This was kind of an unfair ask because I got way too many responses to share here. So I'll just say that it was a pretty equal mix of cars that ran like shit that you guys loved, hated, and feared. It's like, I got a lot of answers like, oh, I had a, you know, whatever, a Dodge Dart. It was a piece of shit, but I loved it, right? All these creative stories about how people had to start their engines and how they were always having to push them and how they would stall out in the freeway and like all this really scary stuff. So it was like equal parts that and equal parts awesome cars that you guys just plain loved and you wish that you drove nicer. <laughs> And you wish that you kept to this day. I got a lot of those answers too. My first car was a used 1989 Acura Integra with a sunroof. It was white. It was hot. That car was damn sexy. I bought it with my own money and I drove it like shit until the transmission crapped out on me. I was so unkind to that car. And it's not because I didn't value it. I actually commuted a half an hour to my high school every day. And then I worked in the opposite direction and commuted a half hour longer to my job. And then I would drive over an hour home. And I was doing all of this while I was a high school student. My car was really, really important to me. And I loved it a lot. I was just a terrible driver. I was a terrible driver for the amount of miles that I was clocking every single day and God was watching over me and God was watching over all of you who had to share the roads with me back in the day. Now I am a most excellent driver. Were you a latchkey kid? 57% of you were, while 43% of you were not. I was actually surprised it was as equal as it was. I was a latchkey kid and I talked all about the latchkey phenomena in season two with 
the incomparable and amazing Wit Honey. Uh, if you are a latchkey kid and you're interested in the history of the latchkey experience and how that came to be and the stats and what all the studies said it was going to do to our social and emotional development, go check out that episode. Uh, after school snack of choice. Y'all ate everything from Funyuns to cookies and chips and microwave cheese on a plate, which <laughs> I totally get that. Fluffernutter, mac and cheese, rice with salsa, and even fruit. Some of you guys drank your dad's beer, ate a shit ton of Lunchables, ate a bunch of Hungry Man, and of course, cup of noodles. And hopefully you did not stick that cup of noodles on your burner without water. I used to like American cheese a lot. That was kind of my go-to staple. I think it's disgusting now, but I loved it back then. And I also really loved and appreciated, and still to this day, love and appreciate a Stouffer's French bread pizza. It's good. Film that traumatized you most as a kid. I got a lot of great answers on this. Quest for Fire. I don't know that one. Um, the Exorcist, The Shining, Carrie, Christine, Pet Cemetery, Children of the Corn. You're getting a lot of Stephen King here. We got Halloween. We got Purple Princess, Purple Rain. Talk about an outlier. I love that. Um, Poltergeist, of course. Porkies which is so interesting because I've had two guests now say Porky's really like screwed with their brains when they were young and just way too young and fragile and innocent to see that film. <laughs> Bambi, LOL. Of course, Texas Chainsaw. Texas Chainsaw is terrifying to this day. I know Poltergeist and Exorcist were both really, really scary to me. So I will go with both. I don't know which one traumatized me most, but I feel like I saw them around the same time. So uh, we'll just go with that. Okay. First concerts, you guys, this was super fun. Um, I got a lot of great answers. I got Motley Crue, Depeche Mode, The Monkees, Def Leppard. Def Leppard puts on an amazing show. Even to this day, I saw them a few years ago, like fantastic. Michael Jackson, Tony Orlando and Dawn, Missing Persons, Kentucky Headhunters, Hootie and the Blowfish, New Kids, um, Bon Jovi, Poison, Metallica, Madonna, Rod Stewart, Reba McIntyre, and so many more. The range of musical genres was great and amazing, and I loved it. Your answers were fun. Uh, mine was Elton John. Surprise, surprise. Okay, this last question was always for me. I asked you guys what your favorite Elton John song was. I got so many votes for your song which is great. I got a lot for don't let the sun go down on me. And I hope you're talking about the version with George Michael, because that duet elevates the song beyond what it ever was from just Elton John alone and Elton, you're my hero. And I'm still saying it anyway. You guys also really loved I'm still standing. And I got some votes for don't go breaking my heart, crocodile rock, Benny and the Jets, Tiny Dancer, Little Genie, and my personal favorite, Border Song. Check out Border Song. You guys, it was never a single. Just Google it. I think you'll really like it. Some people said Daniel, a great song. Levon, fantastic. And Honky Cat, obviously. So there's just so much good Elton John, guys. I, I'm not so much into the Elton John of now, but the old stuff still hits me right in the heart. It's good stuff. So. 
with that, that's all I got. I I really want to thank you for taking this time to hang out with me and reflect on season three. I can't thank you guys enough for listening. It's your listens that keep me going. It's your feedback. It's the connections that we make on social media. And I've really enjoyed getting to know all you guys so much more. And I'm pretty interactive on Instagram and look forward to keeping in touch with you guys over the break. So please don't be a stranger. I look forward to coming back to season four, that everyone's health is good and and everyone is just doing amazing. And of course, like I told you, if you're interested in exclusive content, you're looking for new stuff while I'm on a break, check out the Patreon, patreon.com forward slash the Untitled Gen X podcast. I miss you already. And as always, I hope you keep in touch, beautiful people. Bye.